Today is Friday. On today's program, we interview Tim Winter, revenue and cash reconciliation expert, singer, and international man of mystery. Coming up next. Just accept your Lord and Savior, it won't matter in a way. And we are live with the infamous Tim Winter. Is it infamous or famous? It's probably famous. I don't think I'm famous. Infamous will work. Morning, Kelly. We were talking about we were talking about your lighting this morning. You were saying that you look like you're tan. You you maybe have spent time on some beaches recently. I wish. No, I the sides of some lacrosse fields is more like it. So yeah, I am probably a little uh little sun rich at the moment it's it's a it's very movie star it's a very movie star glow that you have going on i appreciate that yeah (laughs) um so you know before we get going into the podcast you are a a great singer yourself and so i'm i wanted to ask you about music before we get into the exciting world of cash reconciliation hospital revenue cycle what uh, who who is your favorite singer? Who's the best singer in the world, in your opinion? Oh wow, that's that's tough. Um, if we go, let me take that as overall artist first, because I have to show some some love to Prince. Um, maybe not my favorite voice overall, but just overall talented musician and artist. Prince is number one. Voice wise, I don't know. There's so many talented singers out there. I like a strong versatile female voice um so florence welch of florence and the machine tori amos kate pearson if you know kate pearson from the b-52s those are some good voices you can listen to okay there we go now so you're not you you're not you're not a barbara streisand mariah carey whitney houston not my jam no no i'm i'm i've always leaned a little more towards the alternative um you know so you know who's got a great voice cindy lopper not such a great Sing- speaking voice. That that can that can grate like nails on a chalkboard. But when she sings, she's got some range. That's your thing, yeah. She's all those singers you've mentioned have great character in their voices and definitely do their own thing and are very right. recognizable. Cindy Lauper is a hockey mom. Did you know that? Really, she'd be a she's fun a hockey mom. She would be a crazy hockey mom to deal with if she's in the stands yelling. Can you imagine how grating that? That yelling is when she's yelling for her kid or against your your team. Yeah, that's one reality show I would watch. Cindy Lauper, hockey mom. That that's a that's award winning stuff right there. That'd be great. I don't know. She might be from that Boston somewhere you know, in New York. Like, yeah, she's got a thick. I think thick she must accent. be an East Coast. Yeah, yeah she must sure. she's an East Coaster. So I bet she's in Massachusetts somewhere. Those Massachusetts hockey people are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike the Midwest in no, the West, where we're, we're very just, calm and yeah, we just we let the pa- kids we play, keep our passive aggressive tamp down. So, <laughs> so what's going on in the world of of cash reconciliation? The last time we talked, you were building out a uh, a cloud based yeah. version of the very successful um, on prem cash reconciliation hospital and clinic cash reconciliation yeah. product. Where, where is that at these days? It's been great. Um, you know, we've been in the cash rec business now for over 15 years, believe it or not. Um, and 
as we've evolved, we've you know continued to realize that managing cash receipts, managing cash transactions is a pain point for all sizes of healthcare organizations because healthcare is complex necessarily or unnecessarily. And so launching Beanware, which was our cloud platform last year, allowed us to have an entry point into some of those smaller mid-level providers who don't have the internal infrastructure from an IT standpoint to support an on-prem solution. Beanware is a cloud solution based in AWS, Amazon Web Services, um, and we've enjoyed great success um, working with a couple small providers as kind of alpha beta sites and um, just working on some paperwork with another client here um, recently. And the nice thing is it's a quicker implementation. And so for those groups, rather than a sales cycle and implementation that could last a matter of years, it's shaved down to a matter of months where we can get that tool live and start seeing ROI within their business. And really that ROI comes primarily from business automation, taking the EDI that is quote unquote standard from the insurance payers, from the banks, normalizing that because when I say standard, it's in air quotes. Um, and we can take that information and boil it down, um, make it rich for analysis and automation um, and really look to leverage um, that automation for reduction in overall manual effort and staff needed, which is key in healthcare. The resources are harder and harder to come by over time. Um, the economics are tough. And so where processes can be automated and folks can work more on an exception basis rather than having to touch everything that's moving through the organization, that's key um, so that those resources can be redeployed to, to other work that needs to get done. And, and the product is, it is uh, at some of the largest hospitals in the, in the U.S., I suppose, in the world. Do you see a, a, a magic point for size of hospital where, you know, this group takes the on-prem mm -hmm. um, solution and then this group takes the, the SaaS version? Or yeah, is it I not delineated yet. I, I think it's more a matter of preference. And so from a, a security and risk standpoint, and that's one thing we've had to become more familiar with being a, a cloud version where we're taking PHI and moving it into a, a cloud atmosphere. Us as an organization, we've had to go through SOC 2 compliance. Um, we've been going through those processes and, and procedures here for a couple of years. So for the organization, um, part of it is a matter of control. The on-prem solution allows you to retain control over all that information, um, keeping that within your network. Um, the cost of that is the internal infrastructure and maintenance of those environments. Whereas with the cloud-based solution, you can you can offset uh, that internal cost, but you're accepting a a small degree of, of you know security risk in, in bringing that information outside. But we again establish that confidence through our our audit procedures and our SOC two compliance. So it's it's a matter of preference to some degree. Um, I think we would like to think that there's probably um, a good reason to have both the on-prem and cloud version of our, our solution available um, so that folks have that choice. How hard is it to get that SOC 2 compliance to go through that process? You know, I know you, your group, uh, our software group has done it for what, two, three years now. Yeah. What, uh, yeah. is it, it is it onerous? It seems like it's semi-pretty onerous. There's a lot of upfront learning, um, you know, establishing procedures and making sure you're following all of the best practice around making sure that you're maintaining a secure environment, both physically and technologically. 
um, in terms of our cloud-based uh, atmospheres and, and hardening of servers and all, all the things that go along with that. Once you've established that process and those procedures, then it's a matter of due diligence and maintaining, you know, following on a monthly, quarterly, annual basis, making sure you're maintaining all of your internal controls. And so if you're on top of it, um, it, 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 it provides actually a lot of peace of mind in terms of making sure that you're following those best practices and, and compliant, but um, yeah, it, it's it's a matter of maintenance at that point. Um, not to say it's still not a lot of work because it it is can be a little onerous to follow all those internal controls, but it is absolutely in yours and your client's best interest. So um, it's effort well spent. And in, in all the customers that your group's dealing with, are they all? They're all Epic. Users, it's an epic plugin. Yeah, is that true? Not all. Um, the larger clients certainly are more prone to um, be utilizing Epic as an EMR. But even those clients, depending on their different business units, you know, pharmacy, DME, transportation, um, typically there will be other practice management systems in play as well as Epic. So we've had to integrate not only with Epic and we and we have you know really good processes in place there, but a myriad of other EMRs. You know, there's literally probably 20, 25 different systems that we've worked and integrated with. Um, so there's variety there. Again, I mentioned there's variety on the payer side, integrating with all the data that's coming and and all of the banking solutions that are out there as well. Um, again, there are standards you know, so to speak, but everybody has a little bit of a twist on what that standard looks like. And so we've learned to be pretty nimble in terms of being able to integrate with a lot of different front and back end solutions. And, you know, to a lay person, you know, this, this doesn't seem like it should be that hard, right? I go to the hospital and clinic and I give them my insurance and then I give them the $15 or $25 copay. And, and in theory, it's taking that $25 that I put on my credit card and just making sure all those cash and credit card and checks get sent to the same place and, and get recognized and charged back against insurance. Is that no. really what the system does? I mean, I think, I think that's, that's probably a simple transaction there. And, and ideally it can be boiled down, um, you know, to that A to B to C um, transaction. There are other factors in place, secondary, primary insurances, um, oftentimes it's, it's very hard to predict, um, what is owed by the patient at that time of service. You may be collecting a copay that, you know, that, that patient responsibility could change upwards or downwards after that fact. And so that money often gets redistributed, um, to other visits or may get refunded. And so what is a simple single transaction, um, kind of at the front end could turn into that money moving half a dozen times throughout different patient accounts and essentially, you know, getting refunded back at some point. So tracking all of that, making sure that everything's posting appropriately, make sure that it's getting allocated um, accurately and that everything ties back to the bank. That's where the, the difficulty comes in. So we, we try to make it as simple as you've stated it in terms of tracking those transactions. And, and that's where a lot of our processes come into play. Well, Tim, if you ever need simplicity, you know who to come to. Yes. If I need simple thoughts, Kelly, I know who, where to pick up the phone. Um, no, I wish I, that's, that's my lifelong dream is healthcare becomes as simple as it, as it should be for the layperson. But in the interim, there, are, there's a lot of variety that exists. It's crazy. The way you describe that to me is just absolutely crazy. The amount of complexity in, in that process for, for going and paying for, for my kid needing to get uh, 
you know, check for flu or whatever. So well, the, the goal for, um, for all the providers is to make that patient experience as easy as possible. So hopefully all of this turmoil and chaos behind the scenes can be kept behind the curtain. And for you, the patient, it, it, it's, it appears to be a simple transaction. That's, I think, the goal for everybody. Excellent. Well, good. Well, Tim, um, thank you for your time as, as usual. Wonderful to talk to you. I'm going to go listen to some Cindy Lauper. Do it. And B-52s. Um, check out both of those, uh, those female singers. And um, you have a great day. And thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, Kelly. Always a pleasure. And to all of you out there, this is the Kelly Winlet Podcast. And we will see you next week. Say we